Bundle who will bring it away. Not out of danger yet, though. Cries it for holding the ball. The crowd have just gone off. Hooks back. Oh, don't you me! Oh, 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 I think that's Luke Ball. Luke Ball has yeah. just... It's the goal of the day. It might even be the goal of the year. Ball that's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice! It's Spice! He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. Welcome to the Eastland Weekend Recovery, a huge afternoon of football yesterday afternoon uh, across the divisions. Uh, Division 3 threw some curveballs at us. The King lives, Vermont's huge uh, back against the wall win and ball and steal a win in the dying moments out at Seabeck Oval. That and a lot, lot more to cover this morning on the Weekend Recovery. I'm Ryan Long, Media Manager of the Eastern Football Netball League, joined by Ray Baird, Scott Hardy and Wayne Brasher. Uh, Brasher you and Ray, you were out there for a bit yesterday at Tormore. A bit to, uh, to discuss there and then obviously you, you left to uh, see back to see uh, a pretty see crazy final. the demise final. of my side, Roval, in the last quarter. <laughs> yeah, it was a phenomenal game in the end. So we'll have a lot to chat about there. And then Scott Hardy as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of results here that probably... It's a, it's a tipster's nightmare um, trying to pick the winners and um, hard ones to, to look at. It is, and, and what a round of, of football. Absolutely. And we're uh, going to start here with Division 3. We're going to start with... One of the big results of the round, uh, the Sylvan Football Club, a fantastic win over Warrandyte, away from home, 10-11-71, defeating Warrandyte, 9-13-67. And this morning we're joined on the line by senior coach Trent Munn. Trent, congratulations on, on what was a, a really impressive win yesterday afternoon, beating last year's preliminary finalists away from home. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. It was a, um, yeah, it was a huge effort for our, our little club to head out there and... Um, you know, looking at the calendar coming into this this season, we we don't know a heap about this division, but um, we knew Warrandyte. Warrandyte was always going to be one of the tougher arse that uh, that we could we could uh, take on, and to go out there and win was huge for our uh, for our club. It was yeah, it was a massive mate. We we showed a bit of adversity early. We only uh, had twenty, I think twenty one players named at one point. We had a late out, and we had to pull a kid out of twos to play so we started the game with 21 players so we used a couple of curveballs early and then um to come back and hold on to a win like that it was massive and you had a nice little lead there at, at three quarter time and you certainly tested in that last quarter but uh, i'm sure you would have been really proud with with the boys to be able to hold on but for yourself as well um sitting on the sidelines not being out there on the game how was that for you um when the the game was certainly on the line with warrandyte pushing Ah uh, well, yeah. I certainly pre- probably prefer being the playing coach. I can get a uh, get out there and get the messages out a bit quicker. But it was good, mate. It was uh, we knew they'd keep coming. They're a pretty proud footy club, Warrandyte, and at Warrandyte, and they're, they're a good good venue and a good club. And we knew they'd just keep coming, and um, they weren't just going to let us walk away with the four points. So yeah, it was pretty tense there um, towards the end. But we luckily uh, had enough runs on the board early to hang on. It was uh, it was awesome. It's good when I've been part of. Yeah. Good morning, Trent Brash. Here. How are you, my friend? Good, thanks, Brash. How are you, bud? Yeah, good. Look, three three matches, two wins, one loss. That's a really good start to the season. Obviously, you, 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 the stats are you are lower a little bit than what they were last year. But the the main the main thing is you've got the wins on the board early. If you if going the tr- knowing this um, these lower grades like you do, if you can win. You know, seven of your nine games, and probably pinch three or four, three out of um, your nine games, or four of your nine games away from home this year. That's see Sylvan playing finals. Would you see yesterday the fact that you had to really dig deep as an eight-point game win? 
Mate, it was massive. It was, yeah, we, we definitely go into the season. Our, our unique size of our oval being so small, that we sort of have a mature age, big, strong side that can defend our oval pretty well. So we go into the season with every intention and, and make it a bit of a fortress up the still one. And then we just, obviously, we try to go out there to win every week. And we just try and pinch a couple along the way. And we certainly did that yesterday. When we turned up, they looked a big, strong, fit side at Warrandyte. And I was a bit like... Um, you know, it's not second guessing, but it was a bit wary of where we were at. We've got some a bit of pace around the footy, and we thought that, um, yeah, once we once the game started going, we, we realised that we were um, we, we had a bit of outside run on them, and that flowed on. And yeah, definitely, mate, that's that's as good a win as we've needed for the footy club. And and you know, we, as I said, we focus on our home wins, and then we pinch a few away. That's uh, it's massive, and we've done that early to do round three, and already have done that. It's awesome. With that, with that in mind, Trent, I look at I look at, I, I look at um, your opponents, and the fact is, I, I look at the, the way the game's being played, and it seems like yes, it's all right to have a tall side, but you can also be over endowed with too many talls, and that does rob you of speed because I think not only do you need um, the inside speed, but I think outside outside speed is probably equally more important now in, in today's modern game. Would you agree? Absolutely, and that's where we've sort of got that in-house. We haven't had to go find much. We've, you know, um, Lowe, Lynch, Darcy Turnbull, all these kids come through under-19s. Won a flag a few years ago, then my senior flag last year. So they're 22, 23-year-old. Matteo D'Alfonso, he's probably one of the premier, if not the premier midfielder in the comp at the moment. So they all come through the 19 system, these kids, and they're now that outside speed. And you sprinkle a few uh, veterans like Chad Smith and myself when I'm out there. We can, we've got a pretty good balance. And, mm. and to, you know, no disrespect to where the club, where, where we're at in our twos, but we probably don't have the depth at the moment in the twos. And we're sort of struggling like a lot of clubs to, to field a decent two side. So we, we know what we've got and we, it is what it is. We're not going to go recruit anyone else now. We've, we've got a good nucleus of um, and a good balance. And we, our biggest challenge is staying healthy and staying out there. But yeah, that outside side run we've got that comes from within the group and um and luckily we didn't have to go find it, it was already there for us and you know that's what got us up to this division having those kids last year so it's been great uh trent scott hardy here mate congratulations on the on the win obviously that jump up in um division it's always unknown um and obviously in this competition where it's so tight you obviously got whitehorse beating coldstream and federally beating donvale it must give you belief in the group that anything obviously can happen as as long as you're on your game, and that was obviously evident yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and we don't know anything coming up. I think last time we won a flag and come up, the comp was the, the AFL was structured a bit different. So all the teams that were there last time we were up here aren't there anymore. They've gone on to bigger and better things like park orchards and the like. So um, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an unknown. That the, the results speak for themselves. Yesterday, we really don't know where we're at, and, and what's um. All we can do is just keep winning, really, because we uh, we want to come up and stay up and, and keep climbing in the EFL. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a bit of an unknown, but, um, yeah, we're um, we're ready each week to go. It's, and, it's been good. And and is that the, the challenge this year? Like, obviously, to keep the group sort of up and about. Obviously, last year, you know, victories were coming probably thick and fast for you. And this year, you may, you may not have as many wins. So is that sort of the new challenge, or do you sort of just take it week by week? Challenge the club wanted to be honest. Like we've got some kids who've and and some senior players who who were ready to take that next step up. So it would have been probably if we didn't win and go up last year, we probably would have struggled to retain them because these kids and, and players in general wanted to test themselves at a higher level. So it's been great. Yeah, the energy around the place is exactly where it needs to be, and it's um it's been fantastic for the, the whole footy club to go up and then 
and be competitive and then to win a game like yesterday shows that um, any good thing could happen up there because the comp is so even. It's been great. It's exactly what the club wanted and, and yeah, we're producing now. It's been great. Ray Baird here, Trent. Congratulations, mate, on the season so far. Uh, As you just alluded to, you go up a division and you don't really know a lot about, you know, the the opposition side. So you have to uh, rely a bit on your uh, coaches there in support and that how... Absolutely, yeah. We get. I mean, obviously, the AFL do a great job in video on the games now, so you can cut a bit of tape here and there and watch a bit of tape and get a bit of a rough idea. But um, you know, they maybe maybe watched us last week against Ferntree Gully and thought that um, probably misread our game because we were so poor last week against them, and we can come out and um, they would even speaking to Paul, their coach after the game, they don't know much about us, we don't know much about them, so I don't mind that. I like to go in there and just, as I said, we've got we just focus on what we can do, and it's been um. A bit of a blessing, a pretty bit of a fresh air. You know, last year we we put the the uneven comp. We played some of those teams two or three times for two or three uh, three times a year, two or three years. So it got probably got a little bit stale for us. So to come up, it's been a breath of fresh air for the footy club. It's been great. And year in year out, we talk about your recruitment up there. How much harder it is than the local sides down here, you know, to recruit players. But uh, obviously, you, you mentioned you're under 19, so they're a big source where you can. Uh, Develve into and and use them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even just geographically, where we are, I think we have this chat every year. It's, it is that bit harder. You got to go past Willowdale and even Mount Evelyn and Moorabark and Croydon and all these clubs. You've got to drive through to get to to Sylvan, and so it is a bit of a challenge. So it, it's just a culture we've got to breed to, to where people want to come up there and stick around. And it is a good little. Uh, it's like a country footy club with Charlie and um, Big Chris McLagan at the helm. They um. They make it a pretty welcoming place and they do everything they can to accommodate the players when they get up there. So, yeah, it is hard geographically just simply that, that extra 10, 15-minute drive up York Road on a Tuesday, Thursday in the middle of winter, it, uh, it can be a bit of a grind, but um, we sort of crack the code and get the boys to stick around, which has been great. Trent, you've played football yourself, Dan, at the highest levels. And I think I asked you this question, I think, the last time I was on, about 18 months ago. And the fact that you went up to Sylvan and it was a big sea change for you. Um, Two-part question, A, it doesn't seem like you've regretted. And it to me, B, I think it's actually um, rejuvenated yourself, not only as a, uh, a, pl- uh, a player, but also um, it's actually enhanced your coaching skills. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely! It's a um, if I if I get involved somewhere, I get fully uh, fully involved, and the footy club have have needed that and, and allowed me to do that. So the footy club's been uh, yeah rejuvenated my career, and even my little boy, little boy Noah, he's the water boy now, and my kids get up there, and it's a, it's just um, it's a second home for me and my family now. So that's good. Couldn't thank the footy club enough one for getting me there, and then obviously being able to repay them. I think when I got there, they won three or four games in a couple of years, and we're getting. 10 blokes on the track on a Tuesday or Thursday and now we're getting 30 on the track and you know won a flag last on the track sorry and we won a flag last year so it's been um yeah rejuvenated you're not only just my um personal life but the footy club and it's been a whole um a whole change for everyone it's been great Trent we Trent we thank you for giving up some time on your Sunday morning to speak with us uh Fantastic to see Sylvan two wins from the first three games uh, in Division 3. All the best uh, for you and and for the side next week when you take on Fair Park. Good on you, boy. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, mate. That's the... uh A very, very happy uh, Trent Martin after a big win for the the Cats and... um,
it's just been really impressive. I, I thought they were going to be a pretty hard side to beat at home, and we saw that in round one. But uh, to come away and uh, you know take on a, a side like Warrandyte, preliminary final last year, one of the sides that we think is a premiership contender, to beat them on their home turf, Brash, it's a... It's a, it's a it's a nice one nice one to tick off early on in the season. Well, it is. I, I think I think it's I think some of those wins, especially the close ones, they are worth the eight points, because in the lower grades, it's very hard for sides to actually come down and beat the opposition on their home turf. And we Donvale found out about that again yesterday. So it's those wins in the lower divisions are, are worth gold I reckon um, especially early in the season because I think Trent hit the nail on the head that extra 15-20 minute travelling time when you're not going well mm. driving up the mountain it can be a, it can be an onerous mm-hmm. task when you're not winning in is it Ray? And, and Brass Sylvan did their homework when they went out and got Trent Martin because oh, you and did? I saw him play a lot of football at oh, the yeah. top level and the way he went about it on the field yeah, there they certainly got the right man for the job yeah. But Absolutely. sort of lis- listening to him speak, like obviously he's talking about going up that division. Sometimes going up, it can be a bit of a, a whack to the club and they sort of go, oh, we're not getting the wins as much. But you can obviously tell the enthusiasm that obviously from the, having that competition, like he said last year, where they got to play some of the teams yeah. that they were beating quite easily, to come into here and, and just test the group and say, well, this is what you've got. And if you want to stay up, you have to play good footy. And if you watch on their social media, if you watch that them sing the club song, which is up on um, Facebook, they are going off. Like, they loved that win yesterday. You can tell how much it meant. That's, and the thing is, like, um, and Ray, as you and I know, we've, we've, we've been pretty lucky in over the years. We've had our opportunities. We've been up to places like Sylvan and Coldstream. And, yeah. and we've seen the camaraderie. And I, it's a different type of camaraderie in the rooms. It's not an us versus them, but it's a more inclusive camaraderie. And it's, it's like... It's all in one. It's like the old three musketeers, one for all and all for yeah. one. And that's in f- 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 officials right down to the, the youngest member. Everyone's, everyone's involved. And it's a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic uh, atmosphere to be involved in, and especially at a, at, a, at a local club at that level. And that's how those country towns actually thrive, on that sort of community spirit. And Brash, I've been up to Sylvan a few times, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's probably the coldest place in the eastern. <laughs> but I tell you what, when you come inside and they've got that huge roaring fire going, and you know after the game and everyone's happy, and uh, it's a fantastic place to be around. Well, put it this way, uh, I mean, look, it's um, Division Three next week when we get to. It's actually it's throwing up a very interesting round next week because there's some evenly matched sides going up against each yep. other. Right, uh, who are going to get an early season indicator of where they are, on? There is, and, and that game next week, Sylvan versus Fair Park, will be very interesting considering Fair Park got the win uh, yes. last night as well. Just quickly on Warrandyte, uh, I'm not too concerned because they are a really impressive side, and what we saw from round one where that game could have gone either way. But the fact is, you're 0-3 now, and we saw what happened to Furniture Gully. It's very similar. They're not losing by much. Just these, these close losses, which Furniture Gully did, um, but Furniture Gully just ran out of time. The, they were too far behind the eight ball. So Warrandyte, although although they're a really good side, and we keep saying that, they've got to win soon, right? Because otherwise you Look, do fall too far I, behind. I'm just looking at the draw, and they go down to Oakley Districts next week. They should and get a and win I'm there. not taking anything away from Oakley Districts, but if Warrandyte's going to play finals, have this is win. the game they've got to make a statement. They've yep. got to have a huge win to put themselves. Otherwise, if they only, even if they only just get over the line, they, people are going to doubt them. I think the one thing too that I took out of yesterday's game, 
I don't think there's going to be too many sides. They're going to hold Ryan Phillips goalless throughout well, that, the season. Well, that's a big one. Phillips goalless, yeah. Clark had one. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Ryan Phillips is a prolific goal kicker in that division. To be held goalless yesterday, I, I per- think that's Perfect a, conditions. It yeah. would have been mm-hmm. so this afternoon. I, I think that, uh, like I said... Um, that's another thing that Sylvan um, have, were able to negate yesterday, and that's going to be still a headache for a lot of other clubs. I remember back the very first game played at Warrandyte with the new uh, club rooms and everything down there was Sylvan and Warrandyte, and they were both undefeated. And I think there was close to three thousand people there for a home and away yeah. game. You know, that was the day they opened up the club rooms down there. That's a big one. And another game that was a bit surprising to see yesterday was uh, the Whitehorse getting their uh, first win for the season. Nine 960 defeated Coldstream 7648 at Coldstream Reserve, which we know um, the Cougars haven't lost very many games there. So uh, a big win for the Pioneers. Uh, they get their season off and running. Um, Darcy Fridge kicked four goals again for, for Coldstream, but he was a lone hand up forward while for Whitehorse. Young kicked three, and then they had a lot of single goal kickers. But um, impressive from Whitehorse because they were very disappointing last week, let's be frank. Their, their loss to Fair Park... Um, I think it was about 70 points, so we didn't expect that sort of thing. But um, how about the response? And, and finally, maybe things are, are starting to click, Brush. Well, they are, but it, once again, this highlights the vagaries of Division 3 because the form lines in Division 3 can be one week look good when you if you're looking for form lines, but they can go horribly skew with, yeah. you know, the week after. Because, look, eight out of ten times... Coldstream win at Coldstream, and only two out of ten of the others others win. That's uh, once again that's an eight point win, yep. an eight point win for Pioneers because their form really leading into that game yesterday wasn't flash. Oh, I no, just, no, no, it wasn't. I look at the scoreline; it's very interesting to me. Seven six to nine six. To me, that game was played between the two half back lines. Yeah, you know, because as you said, the line just previously, the weather was beautiful up, you know, and it would have been great. The big wide open spaces at Coldstream, you would think that you know that a few more goals would have been kicked, but I, I reckon that would have been a battle between the half. Back lines. And you're right, Ray, because in that last quarter, Coldstream only kicked two behinds yeah. and Whitehorse kicked uh, one goal, three. So, yeah, tight battle in that last, but massive um, for, for Whitehorse. And like you said, like you said, Brash, like, you know, those home wins, you, you've got to take them just to get the, the points. But well, then Whitehorse away, grabs it and see where they go. It's amazing. It's actually amazing to think that when you compare the two playing surfaces at Whitehorse and, and Coldstream, you couldn't think of two grounds that are poles apart in in length and dimension. And you would think that Coldstream with the, would, ha, would have definitely had the, the more advantage being able to run on their big ground. And you would have thought that Whitehorse's conditioning might have run out trying to play a big ground like that. But it just shows you that on the, if you are mentally off and... On, just that little bit, you're gonna get you're gonna get caught up. And Whitehorse, they knew that they look. I think they understood the brevity of where they were standing. And if they didn't get a win yesterday, they were going to. I think I think there were the alarm bells were going to ring early. Yeah. But they managed to they managed to turn it around and get a positive mindset and to get a like I said to get a win against Coldstream. I don't think too many teams are going to win up there this year, but they they did. Okay, where does this leave Coldstream? They've been by, beaten by Oakley Districts and Pioneers. So, you know, I two just, games that you would have penciled yeah. them in to win at the start of the year. So I think they're on the they're on the borderline now, whichever way they well, can go. I, 
Okay, well, I'll just... Um, Look, I'll, before you do that, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've got... My, my reads on Division 3 are just completely off. I've, I've thrown the list out because <laughs> I, I would have been about 0 from 4 yesterday on, on yeah. the tipping in Division 3. I haven't been able to get a read. Your Whitehorse looked... They, I mean, they looked really, really poor last week. They come away with a big win. We thought Coldstream were back on the right track. Then you go down to Fair Park, Oakley. Thought Oakley were, were probably the better side. Couldn't get the win done. Fair Park are now two in a row. Sylvan knockoff knockoff Donvale. So <laughs> you know. a lot to. Um, and I, I don't know if you're about to to jump in here, Brash, with something, but um, it's it's a hard one to read. They are because look, you know, look, they're only averaging sixty three points a game. That's not a lot. But they've only won four quarters of football out of 12. That, to yeah. me, that is significant. Their percentage is around 100%. So even though, even though they're, um, they're not, their percentage is still relatively healthy at this particular stage of the season, but they need to bank wins. And the thing is, their highest score this year has been only 88, yeah. and their median score is only 52 so they need to up the ante if they're going to get competitive against those two top two, three sides. And it might be that, you know, we're still early on and obviously still trying to get sort of that, that match fitness and stuff because you're seeing obviously a few clubs in those last quarters struggling to score and, and that sort of was also um, adamant in um, in Fentry Gully and Donvale where, I, I, know, I don't mean to sort of cut ahead of you. No, or let's jump into it, there. Scott. That's a, but that's a great point. But I'm just saying that in the last quarter, Fentry Gully kicked three goals and Donvale did not score. And the, so, the final score there, 12-13-85, uh, Gully defeating Donovale 10-6-66. Interesting first quarter, uh, Gully had the six behinds to Donvale four straight. But after that, they, they pretty much owned the, the game. Lockie Kennedy was uh, once again very good. Uh, Lockie Young was uh, uh, big for the, the gully uh, in defence. And uh, Wright and uh, D'Essio in the ruck uh, is, a, is a nice little duo that they're creating there. So... Uh, it's, a, it's an impressive start from them, and we've got to start to take them a bit more seriously as maybe the number one contender, obviously, now after beating Donvale. I think what you what you can take out of that game is, um, is Furniture Gully, they seem to be slow starters, for the way I see it, but I think they seem to work their way into the contest, and I, I think what will impress the coaching staff there yesterday is the fact that Donvale are normally a very good front-running side. They, they When they... When, when they're in front, they, they're able to control the tempo of most games throughout the throughout the day. But Furniture Gully arrested that in the second quarter and hit back extremely hard, Scott, but then was still able to maintain that momentum going into that second half and clearly won the second half. And what a, and what a last quarter for Fentry Gully. Like, I just don't understand how Donvale does not score. Like, not a point. Like, there's such a good scoring side. Mm. Like, credit to Fentry Gully and their defence yesterday because yeah. obviously they would have been coming in that last quarter, um, Donvale. But isn't it, you know, it's obviously we've sp- we spoke last week about Fentry Gully and what happened last year and, and the learnings from it. Continuing to take those to take those wins and, and, and get the points there is just amazing for them and just puts them and in it, great. It stead. does. It does make sense when we when we, you listen to all the coaches last year and especially in the second half of the season. Everyone was saying besides the Waverley Blues that Ventry Gully were the, the best side in Division yeah. Three. So I think the funniest thing is wouldn't it be wouldn't it be polar opposites? Last year, Ventry Gully start zero six. They could possibly start <laughs> six, 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 six. Yeah, right. yeah, no. yeah. And Warren, I could be doing what what Ventry Gully did last year. So <laughs> it's a very interesting division. And then the final game that happened a uh, twilight fixture at five thirty. Uh, Fair Park eight six fifty four defeated an inaccurate 
Oakley District side, 6-12-48. Um, apparently, from all reports, Oakley District could have wrapped that game up early in the first half. They had all the play. Um, they had seven more scoring shots in the first half, but only led by seven points. And then um, Fair Park, with, with three goals in the last quarter, uh, pinch it. And it's, it's a big one for the Lions because that's now two in a row. And again, another side that is doing a lot better than probably what we thought at the start of the season. I think an encouraging sign for Fair Park is that Gillings <coughs> kicking goals for them. Uh, and also young... Uh, Comp uh, under uh, under nineteen best and fairest from a couple of years ago. Mason Byrne, big plus for them. Been in their best all three games in the. Uh, so good to see a young guy in uh, in that in good form early. And I think Ed Harbour's well for them. Good test for them going up yeah. the. They're going up the road or up the Deeney Nongs next week for their trip up to Sylvan and. Uh, like I said, it's very much a boutique ground, uh, as Ray's alluded to, and uh, it's brought many a good side undone. And a couple of experienced players in their best too, Alison and Juan, who have come back to the, the yes. club as well, were yeah. um, impressive last night. But uh, it, it's, it's a good win for them. For Oakley District, they'll look at this as, as four points that went missing. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's funny. We were, we, were, we, were, we were giving them the, you know, the... The congratulations after beating Coldstream in round one, you think, oh, yeah, they've, they've turned the corner a little bit. And then, then all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, it just seems like they've slipped back into to old ways. And the results of, once again, they've got big on the losing margin side, Ray. Yeah, they, they certainly have. But look, uh, Nat, I, I think as the season goes along, I think, you, well, obviously, you, you'll find that uh, Oakley Districts will win, will win their, their fair share of games. I, yeah. I still find, right, though, and it's still a bugbear of mine, and it will always be a bugbear, I'm not a fan of twilight games, <laughs> night games, yeah. anything, of a, anything of that ilk. Because I firmly believe it costs sides percentage. Uh, you're right, Brad. They're, they're, they're not high-scoring games. But, and they're not high-scoring games. But apparently a really good crowd and good for the, the yeah. tickets. <laughs> the it's, tickets it's, it's, clubs do like it for that sort of um, I, atmosphere. I just just I on Fair that. Park, boys. Look, we're backing about the way they've gone this year and they've been absolutely fabulous. But you've got to go back to the last game they played last season. They played scores with oh, the relegation. <laughs> they play, so they could have been relegated last year, and they've come out and you know they've played out of the three games. They've you know they're going fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And and looking at the ladder now, it's a interesting one. I certainly there's there's a lot of uh, you, I think at the start of the season I sort of had my sort of my, my power rankings, and they're all thrown out the window here. But uh, Ferntree are the only undefeated side now in the division with the three wins on top. And yep. then it is Donvale, Fair Park, and Sylvan rounding up that top four yeah. with two wins each. Thought, you yeah. wouldn't have yeah. picked that at the start of the season. And then Coldstream, Whitehorse, and Oakley District with one win each. And then Warrandyte sitting on the bottom without a win yet. But I'm sure we'll see them uh, improve as the uh, season goes by. Uh, we'll jump into Division 4 now. Forest Hill... Uh, out at, uh, or oh, they hosted that game against Scoresby, sorry. Uh, 8 6 54, they lost to the Magpies. 14 12 96 for Forest Hill. Hanagraf kicked uh, the three goals again. Wild kicked two. Well, for the Magpies, Fairchild kicked three. And then a uh, whole host of, of goal kickers there. So, uh, not a whole lot to say here. I think Forest Hill are, are still a bit of a, you know, they're still struggling with it. It's a newer side again. They've, they brought a lot of guys in. Um, it'll take a bit of time for them to gel, and I think the Magpies would have come in expecting to win, so they get a, a nice seven-goal win there, Ray. 
Uh, they, they certainly do. And look, they're not travelling that well, Forest Hill. But I have to say this, and I'm going to stick my neck out here. You have to put your final scores in before 6 o'clock yes. on, on the Saturday night because it's just not on. People want to know what's happening in the Eastern Football League. You know, whether you're winning or losing, they just want to see the result. And to not have a score, you know, lodged on the website until 6 o'clock that night, I just think that's uh, it's not up to standard. And I can tell you now to our listeners out there, if you don't think that we don't cop it on a Saturday afternoon, we do. Because every time we've got, when people come and see us and they come and talk to us, <laughs> right, or it's, they it's come past the caravan, they turn around and say, have you got an updated score? Because we can't get a score from any any ground. Now, but, the thing is, we can't help them no. unless you help us. So, exactly. uh, and that's exactly where we, we need you, right, to do your part to make this a success so that people or can show the interest. Because if we don't, how are we supposed to promote your club? We can't promote your club if you don't put anything in. And and the thing is, and I'll be damned if we're going to sit here and cop criticism because we don't cover your club, but how can we cover it if you're not going to put information for us to talk about and make an informed decision? Just on that game, you know, we go back to Scoresby. You know, uh, some of the old-timers come back to Scoresby, the, the Bron Grease guys, yes. uh, brothers and all this. And, uh, look, they're, they're uh, certainly paying the dividends by getting those guys back. I, You know, uh, they're, they're, they're winning games. Yeah, yeah. look, um, and I know, Ryan, you rate them very highly. Yeah, I do. Yep. In, in this division this year, I've got them as a distant third. Well, that's, dist- I've got them as a distance. Let's jump third. into the side that I'm assuming you've got second. It's Kilsyth. I don't have the final score with me. That's another, another issue there. I no, do. It's not on game day. Um, but they did defeat Nutterwad uh, quite comfortably. I'll yeah. let you run with that because you've got it in front of you. Yeah, the score was Kilsyth 19-17, 131 defeated Nutterwadding 6-12-48. Sounds like last night Geelong and Sydney. Very similar scores. <laughs> <laughs> Seems <laughs> like it. Uh, look, uh, I was speaking to Scotty Hardy just outside here about about uh, about Division Four, and look, I think we see. I think next week we're seeing our grand finalist. I firmly believe that both Surrey Park and Kilsyth are the two sides that will be playing off in Division Four grand final this year. And I want to just want to reiterate. Um, I know Surrey Park have played one less game, but I think we need to take a bit of uh, a notice of what Kilsyth have produced so far this season. They've won eleven quarters out of out of um, 12, 10 and a half quarters out of 12. So they've hardly lost a quarter on the scoreboard. They've um, Their point differentials are 66 plus in the first, 104 in the second, 143 in the third and 184 in the fourth. So they're not only are they beating sides, they're tailing them up. They've, they're very well balanced. They're kicking a goal roughly every six minutes when the league average is about eight or nine. So they're scoring twice as many as what the rest of the comp are going. And they're scoring um, over 110 points a game. What more could you ask of a club early on, Ray? Brass, that, the interesting stats to me there is that as each quarter goes on, one, two, three, four, they're outscoring the previous quarter. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And that is a... And, that, and that's a very good sign early. Obviously, Ryan, as we've always alluded to, you don't want to be peaking in round no. three. But the thing is, in this competition, it's always been established, right, that if you get on a roll early... And the other thing is, too, right, they have two buys. Could be more in this in this grade, right? Look at it this way. If Kilsyphon, say, Surrey Park, 
Say they go 16-2 with two buys. In essence, the, the buys actually counteract the losses and they've won 16 games. Mm. So, I mean, 16 games is basically you're finishing 1-2. I, I still think that these two sides are going to win at least... I still think both Surrey Park and Kilsyth are going to win at least 14. I can see Scoresby winning 12 and the rest you can raffle. My only hesitation yet on Kilsyth is that... We haven't seen them play Scoresby or Surrey Park. And Surrey Park's a big test next week. They host them. But I don't so, reckon they're right up to it. Oh, I think so. And look, they've, they've been... <coughs> who have they been? Croydon North, uh, Forest Hill and, and Nutterwadding. And Nutter yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen enough of them yet to make my full opinion But the thing them. is, you can only beat the you, opposition. You, you're right. You're right, you're right. Oh, you, no, you're 100% right. They've Obviously, they've, they've done everything well this and, season. And they... Yeah. Just sorry, Ryan. No, you go. No, no, you go. It was just that I felt like their recruiting drive yeah. on the off season was really strong as well. They obviously felt that this may be the the time, like the window has uh, has opened, and and let's just roll the dice and give it a go. Yep. And they're obviously putting up, you know, like Brush said, some amazing some big sort scores. of scores. But, but they've also they've recruited well, but they're also playing a lot of under 19s from last yeah. season That's as right. well. Yeah. So they've got the youth there as well. McNay's been a good pickup from Lilydale for them. So Absolutely. I mean. So, I mean, like you said, that the recruiting's been strong, but actually last year, Kilsov, I thought, put the writing on the wall because I think last year's they grey, they gradually were improving week on week yes. last yep. year. Yep. Yep. Right, and they've done exactly what you would ask of a... If you rate yourself a good side, they've done everything that you could ask yourself of if you're rating yourself good in beating those, those three opposition early on quite convincingly. You've got nothing to prove. Like I said, they're... The, their test comes this week, all right. If they if they get beaten and get beaten com- comfortably, or right, it's a bit of a rethink, but it's not a, it's not but like the thing it's is you, they play them. I think three times this season, yeah. so right. you get three cracks at it. And we saw yeah. that with uh, a side here, the the game um, out at Surrey Park. Surrey Park uh, took a couple times to, to actually beat Chernside Park, yes. And now they've got their measure. They they did it again yesterday. Twenty. Yeah. Goals 17, 137 defeated Chernside Park, 8, 8, 56. We're there for the preliminary final. Very similar uh, scoreline. And uh, they're just, they're really starting to t- only the two games they've played. But obviously they've come in with the, the form that they, they left off in, in season 22, Scott. And um, uh, I mean, you look at the goal scores, uh, Falahi kicked uh, four, Can kicked four. They've got about over 10 different scorers. Uh, it's a, it's, they're flying at the moment. They've got to be the Premiership favourites uh, at the early stages, but obviously next week we'll know more. Well, my annoyance is more with, <laughs> with Chernside because I, I picked them. I sort of I was really bullish on on their recruiting, and I thought, yep, they've also sort of seen a window and and are going to give it a, a red hot crack. And uh, look, Chernside, just all I ask, just turn it around, just not make me look like a fool because at the moment it, they're really struggling, and, and it's those it's just those victories. Like it's sort of like last year when they sort of came up against Sylvan, like where once they were getting beaten. It was sort of just like, okay, well, that's it. We're going to get beaten by even more. Like, that margin, just against Surrey Park, it's, well, yeah. Well, I think that if they pick up their form, Churnside, and 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 win and win more than their fair share, I see them as the fourth side. I'm, I just can't. Yeah, I'm, I can't. I, I'm, I'm just not. I don't. I, I'm not sold on. I can't see Forest Hill, Mlock, or, yeah. or Nana Wadding. Forest yeah. Hill worry me. Um I know they've got a guilt-edged opportunity to win a game next next yeah. Saturday, but when you've only got one forward, who they're going to rely on? If he doesn't kick, um, you know, if Hannah Graff doesn't kick 
X amount of goals next week against the opposition he's confronted with. I can't see where Forest Hill are going to go for the rest of the year. Did Jake Rowe play yesterday? He, he did return, I think. He had yeah. the one-game suspension, um, yeah. so I'm pretty sure he was back out there yesterday. Okay. He's, he's important for their... Uh, well, he, he's another goal kicker, but obviously you know, in and out of that side well, because that, of suspension. That's what I said. It's a different-looking Forest Hill. It is. But on the, on the, on the flip side, uh, you can't... You can't keep relying on one guy every week to kick 50% of your score. No, it just doesn't work. And then looking at the ladder for Division 4 after Round 3, Kilsyth and Surrey Park sit on top with two wins each. Uh, Scoresby in third with uh, two wins themselves, but they've had the loss. Um, And then Nutterwadding, Forest Hill, both with a win each. And then Croydon North, Mlock and Chernside Park. The only sides yet to win a game in Division 4 so far. Uh, We'll jump into Division 2. Uh, looking at the game that we went to yesterday for the match of the round out at Tormore Reserve, Baronia 9-17-71 defeated the Waverley Blues. 9-7-61. Ray, that you were there for half, uh, half, half a game. Half a game, yes. And it was, it was not the Waverley Blues uh, that we saw of, of last year. They, they really struggled. Um, they, they certainly improved in that third quarter where um, they started lowering their eyes going inside 50 um, and so started, started to get their, um, their run and ball carry. Uh, working a bit better, but um, from what you saw, Baronia were were really strong in that first half. Yeah, Baronia were fantastic in the first half. You know, they didn't put a foot wrong. They they got they won the ball out of the midfield, and uh, they they when they went into the forward line, they lowered their eyes and they hit targets. Whereas on the other hand, particularly in the second quarter, and I said to you, Brash at halftime, where Waverley Blues are falling down. To me, they're playing third division football the way they played last year, and that was they got a couple of big tall forwards down there and they were just bombing the ball inside 50 hoping that they would take the mark and they come up against big defenders once you go up a division you're right and the other thing too I thought that um, and this was kudos to Baronia's back line but I thought the delivery to uh, Josh Williamson was left was left wanting on Waverley Blues behalf yesterday I I just don't think they actually utilised him uh, enough so much so that he was stuck at full forward, and I believe at one stage I said they need to move him up the ground to at least try and get him into the contest. When he moved up the ground a little bit, he was he was able to run his opponent around a little bit, and was able to shake that tag, for you know to um, to kick two or three goals. But unfortunately, when you're only getting eight or nine possessions, and and not getting the the service that you should be getting from your midfield. You're going to find it hard to, you know, to, to earn your keep, so to speak. On the other hand, I thought Harry Burgess played an outstanding game off that um, off that back line yesterday. I thought he was he was a soldier. Uh, he was a man that led the charge yesterday, closely followed by Noops in the in the ruck, along with Begley and uh, young Max Brasher in the in, in the midfield with. Um, and uh, Hannon also was out, yeah. was really good in the ruck, but I just thought at times that where Baronia are going to hurt a lot of sides this year is the depth and the height in their forward line. However, Matty Clark's still going to have a juggling act because when Collins and Malice come back into that side, Collins being six foot five. You can't afford to go too top heavy. You still need some runners in that in that forward line, but it's a it's a luxury that's you know that's great to have. So Maddie will probably have some selection issues throughout the year, but good it, headache yeah, to have. It yeah. is, but I don't think from by and large it was a game of two halves, 
and in in essence, Waverley Brews probably only got the game out of. I reckon they got the game for 30 minutes out of that 120 well, on their terms. If you want to look at some positives, to only lose by 10 points and certainly be far from your best football, you take a bit out of that. They, they obviously will get them at home later in the season at Mount Waverley and then um, potentially I think they could match up in a final. I think you'd, I think it's likely we'll see them um, play I think a both third of those, time. I think both They're of both those final sides. sides. They're yeah. both uh, contenders. And, and we've got to remember, Scott, the Waverley Blues are, are coming off 20 wins in a row. Eventually, it has to catch up to you again. You don't, you don't, you just can't keep winning and yeah. winning and winning. And um, they won the first three in Division Two and have really um, come into this division nicely. So they cop a loss, but uh, I, I'm I'm not concerned whatsoever. Ray, do you feel that? Do you feel after watching Waverley Blues yesterday? Do you think that if they are put under pressure like Baronia did to them yesterday, do you think that? makes them revert back to that division? Is that an Achilles yeah, heel? I, do. To I, I agree back? with that, Brash, because, you know, as I've always said, you go up a division, you go up against bigger bodies, uh, more experienced, smarter footballers, and uh, as I said, they fell into that, in that second quarter, they fell into the habit of going back to, to what I consider is Division Three football. But you got to remember, when you have a side that, what, they, they lost one game last yeah. year... Uh, which was the first one. game of the yeah. year. So when when you're winning and and you and you're playing that style of football, even though going up a division, it might take. And uh, well, let, let's just regard the first couple of games because they were against sides that are mid mid of the ladder. Oh, uh, but when you come up against a, a top win. side in that in the division that you've come up, that's when you're going to be found out. Well, sometimes winning many games hides deficiencies that don't uh, that don't become yeah. apparent <laughs> until you actually lose. Yeah. And and the thing is. As a coach, you're looking every week, right, either by tape or by by stat, to see if there's a if there's a little chink in the armor, you know, that you can use, you know, as a ploy to to hurt the opposition. And the thing is, sometimes even as a coach, right, coaching a winning side, sometimes they can be blindsided by the fact that they've won 20 games or 15 yeah. games and just can't keep concentrating on the positives when in essence what you've got to do is you've got to look at the positives and say yeah they're good but to only get better you've got to narrow the negatives and and oh, obviously wasn't wasn't there but from viewing it it felt like Baronia was really on song like anytime they were going forward they knew where their leads were or they had an overlapping player running past and it was just a quick handball and in in they went and i found it that from from what i saw that entry was was quite easy or, or looking you know looking easy from from there, there was a comment that Maddie Clark made uh, pre-match to us and i thought that's very interesting he said he told his guys to go out there enjoy the game take the game on he said it doesn't really matter if we don't win but let's just be really super competitive. And that's what they, they played and like that's what the they first did. half with From confidence. From the very first bounce, that's the way they played their because, football. Because he actually alluded to the to a, an earlier question in that interview was the fact that he was he was actually wanting to change the 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 game plan of the side from an old plan yep. to a new plan and he and basically that's how that I thought that comment came about was the fact is look I want you to play this new game plan, but I want you to go out there unencumbered in trying it. And I think f- yesterday it worked. And I think really, in honesty, if they still had the foot soldiers on the bench 
and had normal rotations, yeah. Baronia. I'm not sure whether Barone. Uh, I'm not sure whether Waverley Blues would have got back in the contest as much as we thought. And 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 what a and a good game plan to have. It's exciting for the fans, like to see that play. Like I watched mm. it. I'm not. You know, it doesn't no. bother me either way who won. But watching, it, I was like, geez, this is a good brand of footy to watch and enjoyable. And we were obviously last year. We were probably a little bit critical of of those losses that they had where they should have won and so I think whether they've sort of looked at it and gone okay well we need to just change something and and obviously they're looking at that what's going to work and and that gameplay yesterday worked really really well yeah and I think that that first half of footy that they they didn't capitalize as much as they probably would have liked to but that sort of half is I think what the benchmark of division two will be if, if they can play like that they they will be the side to beat but as I say I, I haven't lost any respect for, for Wave no. Blues I think they're going to yeah. be oh no right they'll be up the around well. the mark so, they'll be yeah. around the mark um they'll be uh, one to watch out later in the season when they match up again uh I'll just quickly go over a couple of results here the Temple Stowe Dockers uh big winners over Upper Fentry Gully 16-15 111 to Upper Fentry Gully, 7-5-47. Glow kicked the five goals there. And then out at Mulgrave Reserve, the Lions, 18-12-120. Defeated Knox, 9-8-62. Pretty comfortable winners there. They're back on track a bit. Yeah, look, I think I think the other game I think we probably need to have a quick talk about is the... You want to t- on the oh yeah, uh, I want to talk about the park. Right, cut. we did touch on it a little bit yesterday. So that one on Friday night, Heathmont, 12-11-83. Defeated Ringwood, 10-5-65. Um... We'll start with you, Brash, because uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've um, spoken to, to many that were down there or um, your thoughts on, on the game. It's, a, it's a, an impressive one for Heathmont, and I think it, they're a side that we've probably um, probably maybe a little underestimated uh, before the start of the season. We probably have underrated them, but that I think that's probably because we've probably felt that they've underachieved in previous and seasons. And that's true, too. Um, and I, I think, look, and I can understand, I can understand why why clubs, right, for, let's just say, for motivational reasons, need prompting because um, people, you know, based on what people say and, and, and opinion about your club, not an issue for mine because it's, a, it's an old ploy that's been used time and time again and it's always been as a, you know, no one rates us, uh, it's a back-to-the-walls, every game for us is a, you know, back-to-the-wall type complex but I will say this about Heathmont. They've done everything right this year. They put up a gully to the sword. They they lost a, a close a close game against Baronia the week before. Baronia made the form look good yesterday, once again by beating Waverley Blues. Heathmont did the right thing beating Ringwood. I we and we all rate Ringwood as a good side, but now I think we need to ask the question is and I think Ray sort of um, used the old time clock yeah. analogy yesterday on yep. Ringwood. Are the, uh, has the uh, has the sands of time just escaped? Have, have they missed that? Have they missed their their timing rate? And oh, I believe they have. You know, they they had every chance over the last three seasons or more to win a flag, and they didn't do it. They come very very close. You know, and uh, and I think they had the option of going up without yeah, winning, they and they, they knocked that to. back, which is fair enough. I agree with that anyway. But that now, I just think they're falling off the perch a bit. Well, the funny thing is, Ray, it almost seems like it's a pattern with Ringwood every year. First round of the Parker Cup, they or they didn't win it last year, no. and they don't win at Templestone. I think they did win it last. year. It was the year before they they um they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, Templestowe's a bogey ground for them. They can't win at Templestowe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So 
there, there seems to be a bit of a pattern with Ringwood in those in 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 those opening eight or nine rounds. They they're a bit scratchy when they, you know, to get their season off. But you're right, Ray. There's an, they're another year older, and I don't know whether um, and I'm you know Brett Ray's a very very shrewd tactician and coach, and he's going to have to really. He's going to have to work probably harder than he's ever had to work this year to get this group back up into into that premiership window because you, you're right, there's a few other sides this year that are gunning. And that, that's why I haven't closed the door on him because... You it, can't close it, the no, door on, on him. On a side like Ringwood with Brett Road coaching there... He's going to have to. He's going to have to try some new things this season. See see what works because uh, one and two, and, and they haven't had, they haven't been firing yet. So there's there's a lot of improvement that will need to come if it, they're going to be. Someone a alluded to the fact yesterday, um, and I'm not sure who it was during the pre-match that Ringwood probably had players that were travelling. Yeah, this year. I've I've heard that from from right, Blake and that. Um, How much do we trust his word? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Scoops. thing is right. I think Ryan hit the nail on the head yesterday in the fact that some clubs are looking this maybe oh yeah well this is a free hit you know it doesn't happen it doesn't matter what happens to us this year if we don't win the flag bollocks winning a flag is winning yeah. you don't play football just to be just to turn around and say oh well just because this year doesn't have anything riding on it of course it is there's pride at stake your club's history is at stake yeah. of course you want to everyone wants to go out there and play football to win a flag yeah. otherwise you don't play it yeah. and yeah. Bash what you're alluding to is that there's no uh, promotion this no. year in the division so yeah you win the flag of course you you, win yep. it. you tell Doncaster East that when they won those two flags in division one you know and, and pointing chase it's a, it's a, you win a flag as well. You attract new players. It's, exactly. You become exactly. a destination exactly. club. But it's yeah. going to be an interesting. It's just going ahead for Ringwood. Look, they can obviously turn around. Three interesting matches. They got Upper Fentry Gully next week. Week after they got the Basin, and then against Mulgrave, I think it was. Yeah, Mulgrave. Yeah. So, so uh, they could win. Look, technically speaking, on previous years' forms, they'll win those three games. Yeah. yeah. So they need to. And then maybe <laughs> maybe in a month's time we'll be. We'll be sitting here and I'll be eating humble pie saying, oh, well, yeah, uh, why, why were we questioning them at round three? But unfortunately, this is just the nature of where we're at. We're analysing a site's performances on the past and, um, and what we think is going wrong with them and the hope that, you know, that, you know, what's going to happen and try and predict the future for yeah. them. Brash, what you got to remember, whether it's Premier Division or Division 4, you've got to bank early wins. Yes, you got to because once that wet weather comes and you know the grounds get heavy, that's it's when tough. some sides struggle. So if you've got those early wins in the bank, you're halfway there. I've and, always, and I've always, my rule of thumb is, if your anything, if your win record after round nine is is around seventy five percent, six and three, anything above that, you nine times out of ten you're playing finals because you only got to bank another four or five wins yeah. and. With only 11, 12 wins, you're playing finals. And and another team as well in that in that score of the Heathmont and Ringwood. Ringwood only scored one behind in the last quarter. So I don't know what's <laughs> going on this round, but right. just can you score yeah. some goals? Well, they they got they kicked the five <laughs> goals in the third quarter and then uh, yeah, couldn't do much on the board. That's that. But the thing is, though, Scott. I, I mean, look, I, I guess I understand if you as a as a purist, you want to see scoring and scoring. But I guess if you're the if you're the coach or you're the defensive coach of the of, oh. of that side, you're going to be absolutely wrapped. wrapped that you've that you've you've restricted them to one point or not even scoring at yeah. all. You think, yeah. well, 
jeepers, my guys are doing everything <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And before we go to our first break, we'll touch on probably the most surprising result in maybe all five divisions of the senior men competition yesterday. The Basin, 11-12-78, defeated East Burwood, 8-10-58 at Batterham Reserve. Uh, Smith kicked three, Castry kicked two uh, for the Bears, while uh, I think it was Connellan kicked two, uh, as well as uh, Simonella for East Burwood. I know you're a bit more... You, I think you saw this maybe coming a bit more than I did because uh, East Burwood have maybe struggled uh, to play the Bears at Batterham. I do. But just looking at some of the names on, on the base and you know, team list here, I don't know a lot of them. I, a lot of these guys are really young. They're coming up from the 19. So for me, it's a, it's a real shock. But I, I noticed about I knew about half a dozen, six or seven of the Basin, and probably about the same for East Burwood. Both sides actually winning with completely different lineups from what they did in 2022. Well, that, that is true. East Burwood still do have a few to come back in. Um, and the thing is, East Burwood, um, not giving up on them yet. I think they're... I think they're a bit better than you know than what they're showing at the moment, and it's like it's it's the old adage: if you can't put your best side on the park, and I don't care whatever, you can be playing you know sixth division under 19s. If you can't put your best side on the park, you're not going to win games of football. And at the end of the day, at at this level, for all the clubs in the, from Premier to Division Four. If you can't put your best side on the park week in, week out, you're not going to win enough games of football. And that's just the, the cold, hard fact. Well, East Bird are going to need their, their side, the best side next week because they're coming up against Baronia as well. Well, that's yeah, right. so I, I believe there could be one or two back into the side. Well, they're going to need them because... Rixton, Rixton uh, Wills should be back next week, I think. Rixton came in this week with Dove. So I think they're starting to get those names back Well, they'll in. need some experience back, but the thing is... Uh, obviously, with Brony having three, yeah, three, their bench was reduced yesterday. Uh, well, I know uh, one of the Hannons was taken off for precautionary yeah, Luke, reasons. Luke right, you had Mitch Harley Chin. He was basically rendered inefficient, or he he had no effect on the game after the first quarter. I think he was playing with a yeah. I don't would, know if it was a hamstring issue. He was the he one was, that Matt Clark was alluding yeah. to. That was he had to keep on the ground for rotation's yeah. sake. And then I think um, someone else went off with an injury. Zach Dow has also yeah. done a, a hamstring, which so he probably won't play. No, he won't. He won't play next week. So, so that brings and you know Matt has alluded to that uh, Mitch Mellis and um, and Collins will be coming back into that lineup. I think I think I even had the cheek of asking yesterday: Does he take the punt and put Mitch Mellis and and, uh, and Collins in the in the reserves first yeah, to give I'd, him a run? <laughs> I'd like to see that conversation with Mitch. Uh, yeah. uh, but for um, East Burwood, obviously, as you, you mentioned, Scott, it's a it's a big ask next week. But um, currently, they they sit one and two on seventh on the ladder. Um, similar to Sim- Ringwood, they yeah. just need to start get going and and get going quickly. Similar vein, isn't it? Like where do they where do they sort of sit and and how's their sort of what did you say, Ray? It's the the time clock uh, analogy. So yeah, how do they, where do they? Oh well, yeah, of where sit? are they on the where clock? Where are, are they, they on the clock? Do you reckon? Yeah, you sort of running up there. Yeah, because they're sort of in that. You know, they were sort of paired alongside sort of Ringwood through most of the last year as well. So yeah, interesting to see what happens. And yeah, it doesn't get any easier for them uh, next week. Absolutely right. And uh, looking at the ladder for Division 2 after the Round 3 games, Baronia sit on top with the three wins. Waverley Blues in second with three wins that extra game with a good Friday clash. Uh, Heathmont, Templestowe and Mulgrave all with two wins each. And then Ringwood, East Burwood, the Basin, Upper Ferntree Gully all 
with just the one win. And then, unfortunately, for Knox, they sit on the bottom without a win. So far, after the first three weeks, we're going to take a short break. And when we're back, we'll touch on Premier Division and Division 1. Decided, David Langley. He must have just stepped up his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's, he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but it struck it pretty that's nicely. Right. Two in a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double Cobra. That's the first one of 2021. Welcome back to the, the Eastland Weekend Recovery uh, we've just gone through. Divisions 4, 3 and 2 and spoke to Trent Munn, the coach of the Sylvan Football Club. Certainly some interesting results in all three of those divisions. And Division 1 uh, is pretty similar in the end. There's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talking points here. We'll start with South Belgrave. Uh, they just get over the line against one turn of South by 1 point, 11-13-79, defeated the Devils, 11-12-78. Uh, looking at three-quarter time scores, it was it was one turn of South with a 16-point a lead, and they did it again. They Only the the one goal in the last quarter and let the, the Saints run over the top of them. To, to pinch a win there, Garner kicked three, Smith kicked two, but a more even spread of goal kickers for the Saints and then for one turn of South. Barlow three, Kirkus kicked two, uh, and Walls kicked to himself. Um, who do you want to start with, the Devils or, or the Saints here? Because I think we should start with the Devils because once again, I think they, I think they are an. Ex- I know. I'll preface this: is they're still a very young side and they're still developing. They've, you know, they've 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 probably got some of the younger guys probably within their second to possibly third year of senior football. They've had a lot of injuries, so they haven't really been able to probably string um, string continuity in their playing group together, and that's what hurts them. That That's what's hurting them, their consistency the most, in the fact that how many times where they've been in front at three-quarter time and they've given up another last quarter and got overrun when they've held the advantage. It must be so galling, and the players must surely get frustrated about uh, about that, right? Yeah, they certainly must. But look, Brash, I look at it this way. Look, we're only a couple of games in, and new coach, Brett Moyle, they've got yep. to get used to his game plan. So maybe they're just taking a little bit longer than what we expected to get used to that, because it will be a different, uh, complete different game plan of what Bucks had uh, last season. But no, look, uh, they're playing some great football, but... They're not winning. However, the one positive that you can take away from the fact is they're the only side so far that have pushed self Belgrave yeah, yeah, yeah. right to, to a loss, to a near loss. So, um, <laughs> what do you say? Not, Up at what, South Belgrave too. Yeah, well, that's, makes it I, don't even think, I don't think many sides will get within a point of, of no. South Belgrave. problem is, yeah. though, an honourable loss doesn't get you four points. Exactly. And that's the thing, <laughs> yeah. Scott. And, <laughs> and the problem is that they were leading again at three-quarter, yeah. like ten goals to seven, and it's sort of like just, okay. you know, you've got to put those games away and, and you've got to hard, grab those wins. That's the most frustrating thing is you work so hard for three-quarters yeah. for an advantage and then all of a sudden... As we saw yesterday, that can all be undone within eight to ten minutes. Mm. And just wilters away. And and the thing is, I I suppose the other way that you could look at it, does that sort of does that sort of in in um, expose a weakness with one turn of self that when a side gets a run on them that they're unable to 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 
to arrest momentum again, Ray? Uh, well, it could be, Brash. It could be. It's hard to say. Because, you know, it could or, is be it, or is it because of the fact that, like you said, are we cutting them still a little bit more slack because of the fact that it's Brett Moyle, it's a new coach and it's a new game plan? Yeah, I, I would I would be cutting him a bit more slack because right. of that reason myself. Because, you know, you've got to look at Brett Morley. He, he, he's a, a very experienced coach. You Agreed. Know, and, and no doubt he's got the people, he brought in the people around him as well. So he'll, he'll sort that problem out. But apart from that, I mean, look, I, I think um, one turn of south have had a relatively okay start to the season. I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty positive with, with the way they've gone. Obviously, you know, you, you need to win games, but... To, to push Mitchum and South Belgrave shows that they are on the right track. And when they play him the second time, that's where where you really probably need to, to get one back on them if they are going to well, be a, get a contender this season. They've got to beat them both. They've, they'll have to beat them both on the way back in. Yep. Right, they can't afford to... They can't afford to drop too many games against those top four. They, they'll need... They need to beat And they've those. got Montrose soon as well at yeah. home. Yeah, so they're going to... If they lose to the top four now, they're going to have to beat them all on the second way around for them to sort of play finals. Yeah. And they need to take learnings learnings sort of from it as well. Like, you know, that that's two weeks in a row where they've, where they've lost it in, the, in that last quarter. And then just quickly on, on South Belgrave, they just continue to keep uh, piling on. I don't know how many wins that is out of their last uh, 20 or so games, but... Get Blake on, do it. He'll do the research. Blake, Blake, Blake <laughs> will do it. Connolly, again, was um, best on, which he's had a, a phenomenal start to the season down back. I still then, think I still think the scary thought, and the scary thought for me, is the fact that in South Belgrave's rise up through the, through the divisions, since Luke Gallard has actually been close... I actually don't believe, with all the recruiting that they've done, that they've ever been able to put their best 22 on the park at, at any uh, given no, you, time. I agree, Brett. And the thing is, it's if you're the coach and you're sitting back and you, you know that you're, you're sitting on a war chest of great players that, and the fact that you can't get them fitting on the park... and right, it, There's still it, one Garner short, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Because yeah, they, they still keep because winning. Because they've got the they've got the depth. But the thing is, it's it's a scary thought for the opposition, knowing, oh gee, Smith's not playing this week, but he's playing. Imagine what it's going to be like if they're both playing. And yeah. I'm thinking, how are we going to stop that? I know they don't think like that, Ray. But Brash, you've got to look at the Garner boys, the three of them. They're great footballers. But you look back over their history, they have all had. Injuries, they're exactly. injury prone. Yeah, they're, every week there's one of them that's not playing, and and some of them you know play it, and they miss big, uh, particularly Damien Garner. He has missed big stretches of games, even when he was at Rover. So I mean, look. So at the end of the day, South Belgrave, yeah, we turn around and say, oh gee, they just fell in yesterday by a point. But let's have a look at who they give credit to. One Turner South for pushing them all the way, but also we need to take into consideration. A, do we fully know the form line, the form of some of these South Belgrave players? And in essence, how many senior grade players do they, at this particular time, do they have out that could be playing in that 22? Until you, we can quantify or get a more accurate reflection on that, we're ju- we're just going to be, we're just going to be clutching at straws with them every well, week. We'll know soon. Pencil in a, a match of the round in a few weeks' time when they take on Mitchum at Walker Park, which yeah. should be a, a really uh, good game. And speaking of the Tigers, they. Got done again by Montrose. I think that's the third time in a row, maybe four of the last five times. They've lost to Montrose 9 12 66. They were defeated 
by the Demons, 11-14-80. They jumped out the gates, kicked four goals, six, and um, from from all, all reports, Mitchum should have been a lot further up at a quarter time. Again, sides not uh, capitalising when they've got control of the game, and after that, it was pretty much all Montrose that kicked uh, nine goals to five after quarter time and, and come away with a 14-point win, and they needed that after losing one at home last week. Uh, Chamberlain kicked three, Laurie kicked two, Schwab kicked two as well. Um, Walker, Watson, Nagel in the best there. Uh, impressive from Montrose. I think they needed a bit of a response after last week after probably maybe bottling one with their uh, inaccurate kick in the second half. And uh, they, they pinch you one against the Tigers who they've just got the wood over at the moment. They have, and I think the the one thing that I will say that, that Gary Ayres has brought into that club and... Uh, I think he's brought a bit more resilience because the Montrose of old under previous coaches would have dropped the next one after that as well because they dropped their bundle very quickly. And But I think with Gary Ayres in there, I think he's, he's brought a bit more calm and, and continuity and a bit more um, professionalism, I think, is probably one word I'm looking at it. And look, yes, it, why does this always happen? Some sides just have... <laughs> Templestowe have it over Ringwood. Yep. The same thing. Montrose seem to have it over Mitchum. It doesn't matter where they play. So, you know, it just shows you, It's a, it's is it a mindset? And you, you look at that, like you said, that score. Once again, Montrose was slow out the blocks, but they progressively got better as the game progressed. It was like, um, it, it almost seemed like that Mitchum gave it their best shot, but they couldn't, they weren't able to lift their game to that next level when Montrose decided that they needed to up the ante. And, look, for them to actually walk away with... A, 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 and that's a very good victory for, for them. Oh, for it's, them. It's, it's big. It's a, it's a statement. And the thing is, we all said at the start of the season in our previews that we had Montrose in our top three or four. Yep. And I, 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 my mind hasn't changed no, about mine that. No, And I think that um, they're going to be right around the mark. And I think, um, and if they can bank, if they can, if they can hold their form and 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 win seventy five percent of their games this year, they're going to be right in the mix. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, another interesting game in Division One uh, happened with a kick after the siren out at uh, Heights Reserve. Moorbuck nine eight sixty two defeated North Ringwood eight thirteen sixty one. Uh, they were comfortably in front uh, the Mustangs at three quarter time, but a five goal last quarter from North Ringwood. Saw him even get a goal up, uh, a late goal to the Mustangs, and then a Jai Peacock kick after the siren. A minor score was enough to get them uh, over the line in, in a thrilling finish. Um, did, you they, see, did you see the celebration from I, I did. They went right up to, uh, I think, the, the North Ringwood Reserves blokes uh, on the uh, sidelines. Um, surprised that didn't yeah. kick off a bit further, um, having a look at that. But uh, they, they survived there because it would have been a big scare in that last quarter, wouldn't it have, Scott? Yeah, oh, and great. Look again, we've we've sort of been um, we've been critical of of, of Moorbark and and you know where they were going to be placed, but um, yeah, to take it take take it like that is is a, a great win. Absolutely. Um, what do you reckon? <laughs> I, I think I think we're all a little bit, um, you know, when you lose close to 80, 90 goals from your lineup from a previous year, you go from a side that was averaging a hundred and. 102 to 105 points, back down to about 70 points, averaging a, a match. I, I reckon Moorabark have probably done as well as what we can have expected of them early on. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Brace. Now, look, they, they're, they're travelling okay. And, you know, I, I like the way they go about playing their football. And uh, But North Ringwood, on the other yeah. hand, mm. look, North, look, it's good to see them being competitive. After that smash they got in yeah. round one, they've come back. I personally can't see them playing finals, no. even at this early stage. But I think they'll be around the middle of the ladder at the end of the year. They will build. But I had them finishing I, fifth. I had them around f- the top... F- at the bottom end of the five, yeah, and, and just going back to my point, like with Murrubuck, like it's it's a win and it's a, it's a good win, but they, they really needed to bury that, bury them in that third quarter or at the start of the fourth. Really, they're up eight goals to, to three. They okay. went North Ringwood weren't even looking like getting close, and then obviously North Ringwood have had a, a brilliant uh, last but quarter. Look, as as we as as we see in a lot of these contact uh, um, games, when you're asking a side to it's very rare that we see that you see sides dominate yeah. the game for four quarters because you've got to factor in that they're not going to be able to play at that optimum level for the whole 100 minutes and that every side is going to get a look at some stage, right, you, you're just going to drop off and the opposition are going to get a, a certain time frame where they're going to be able to get back into the contest. The difference being is the good sides only give you one chance. The other sides, and that was the thing yesterday, um, the good sides will only give the lesser lights one chance to get back in the contest. But yesterday's game, Waverley Blues got two opportunities and were nearly able to, to, to steal that game. But once again, Baronia responded. So I, I just think it comes, it comes down to the fact that not every side is going to be able to control that period of time Scott no I, I, I understand that totally I just want I just would like Murubak to be in the position where they're not kick, kicking it in the last second to, yeah. to you know to seal it like I understand there is going to be ebbs yeah. and flows in in yeah. the game and, and credit to North Ringer to finding that that next that next level yeah. to to compete but yeah I just but I guess if I, I guess on the other hand gentlemen if we were actually at the ground yesterday and calling it we, we probably all would have walked away with yeah. a little bit of an adrenaline yeah. buzz. What a wonderful game that was. It yeah. got decided after the grand. Oh, yeah, it was everyone's laughing and patting each other on the back. And That's it, true. And, that we would true. Have been, and we would have been talking it up. And but the thing is, when you're there and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like... It's yeah. a one-point game. How'd they win? Oh, they just fell in or they just yeah. hung on. Like, yeah. So we had two one-point games yesterday in that division mm. where one's come over the top and the other one's won after the siren, yet the yet the result on the score is one-point difference. Yeah. No no difference, but just the tune of the game. And they carry four points. Absolutely. Yeah. And one positive, yeah, Doby kicked four, which is um, he, he's had a, a really strong start the season and they needed someone to really fill that uh, hole up forward, which... Obviously, it was left with Jordan and Mullet going from their forward line. Uh, looking around the grounds, Croydon uh, disappointing again. 10-7-67, a loss to Beaconsfield, 16-11-107. Impressive from Beaconsfield, but I, I think we're actually starting to starting to put a bit more respect on, on the Eagles. They are a pretty strong side led under uh, Mick Fogarty. And White, again, was in the best. Ocker was there too. He kicked another four goals. Um, I'm really liking what I see from Beaconsfield, but again for Croydon, struggling on the scoreboard and we're not seeing enough from them. Ray, you and I did this game last year, Croydon, Beaconsfield, Beacon, Beaconsfield first year. They actually showed last year for that first half, right, that they were well in the contest against Croydon. Um, they just fell away a little bit in the in the second half, but I think Mick, uh, I, you and I were talking about this before we come on there. 
I think Mick Fogarty would be really happy where Beaconsfield are sitting at this stage. And you couldn't want a, a better coach, uh, a club with in better hands at this particular stage. And really good for them next week. They get a match of the day uh, status against South Belgrave at their home ground and a real chance to prove... Um, to see how far they've progressed. Exactly right, Brash. And uh, the, I think this game next week, I, I might even go down there and have a look at this game for sure because I, I think that if they can snatch this win against South Belgrave at Beaconsfield, I think that that's going to really set their season up. Even if they don't win, as long as they're super competitive in the game, they've certainly stepped, uh, taken the, the next step, in my opinion. I think that I think really we can't under we can't actually undersell. The, and as you and I know, Ray, a lot of those grants there are much bigger than what we come yep. against in the yeah. Eastern Football League. Now, the thing is, for Beaconsfield, and when we talk about Berwick, Beaconsfield have a golden opportunity here. They, they've started their, like I said, they've started their their road into the, into into the Eastern Football Netball League. And the fact is, their home ground is going to bring a lot of sides undone because they just will not be able to cope with the, the sheer widths of, of playing on those grounds. And this, is, and this is where Beaconsfield, if they get the right type of player and they re- recruit from that area very smartly in the years to come, they're going to be a hard side to toss. And I think we're going to find that out when 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 um, when Berwick start to get their foot in the... Uh, as well, so I'm feeling pretty bullish about Beaconsfield. I thought they'd be around that six to seven mark. I'm my mind still hasn't changed about that, but I think they could take a big step in going up in my estimations this week. Once again, with Croydon, uh, gentlemen, their lack of being defensively fantastic, no issues with them defensively. Always been ranked one or two in defence. They just can't put it on the scoreboard. And you can have the best defence and rated 1-2 every year, but if you can't kick goals right, you're going to get beaten most games. And, look, this is a bit of... Um, I'm not going to say damning, but I think a 40-point loss for Croydon at this start of the season, at the start of the season, especially at home, it's not a good omen for me. No, it's not. And, obviously, the, the 10 goals kicked, it was only six goals up to three-quarter time, and... Uh, the game was pretty much all, all over by that stage. So a, a couple of question marks for them, um, certainly going forward. And then the final game in Division 1, Lilydale versus Bayswater. Uh, interesting result here in the end. Uh, it was pretty close at three-quarter time, but the margin uh, at the end was blown out by Bayswater with a, a six-goal last quarter, 12-10-82, defeating Lilydale. 4-13-37 at Lilydale Sports Oval. Uh, at at three-quarter time, Brash, it was... Uh, six five to three eleven. So they Lilydale had their chances again in that quarter. They kicked two goals five, um, and this was an issue that they had at the start of last season when, when they were trying to get some wins on the board and they fell behind because a few of those results where they they couldn't kick straight. Um, don't know what the conditions were like out there at, at Lilydale, but uh, after after um, that that three quarter time, they they probably. Through it, through probably through everything they had at at, at Bayswater, and then um, in the final quarter. Okay, uh, I'll throw you a little turn around. I'll throw you another little another little nugget here about Lilydale and their and their ground so far this year. In the two games played up there, total points has been two hundred and nine. The average score at Lilydale this year has been fifty two points. So sides are going up there, and they're not high scoring affairs. 
52, 52 points is well below the normal average of what an average score in this division is on a week-to-week basis. Because if you're... The, the average in this division has always been historically between 73 to 76 points. This is well off the mark. This is actually a ground that if you, <laughs> in essence, can cost you percentage. Yeah, well, you look who they lost out of their forward line. We just spoke about that, yeah. you know, in the, before. And you, you take in those players out. They're, they're, well, they're, they're like Croydon. They've, you know, they've got no one to kick goals. Four go- the thing is, though, right, four goals, 13. Doesn't matter what, what grade of football you're playing, it's not going to win you games no, at footy. Certainly not. And, and as Ryan said, you know, 13 behind, surely they had their, their opportunities. They must have in that third quarter and um, unfortunately couldn't get... Yeah. Uh, couldn't capitalise on, on the momentum that they had and uh, unfortunately they're the only side in Division 1 without a win at the moment and with double relegation this year. We'll certainly make it tough for them. Uh, looking at the ladder for Division 1, South Belgrave sit on top as the only undefeated side with the three wins. And then we've got Beaconsfield, Mulebach, Mitchum and Montrose all with two. And then Bayswater, One Turner, South, North Ringwood and Croydon with one each. And then Lillardale, as we said, at the bottom. Uh, moving on to Premier Division... Um, Bit of a, a, a less results that we've we've got to get through here with Berwick and Noble Park uh, playing today, and then obviously South Croydon and Blackburn that will be at uh, for the match of the round on Tuesday. But let's touch on what I think is the um, oh, one of the biggest results of, of the weekend is is Vermont's uh, nice little return here after a loss last week, 16 14 110. Defeated Norwood, 5-8-38. Incredible. uh, Big win, 72 points. I don't think anyone saw that coming to that sort of extent. Brash, we were um, array and we were sort of big on um, Norwood after last week. We know Doncaster were going to struggle, but um, the way they've come out, Vermont, after a loss is... um, Speaks volumes of, of, of what was probably uh, said at the club during the week and really getting fired up to, to get out of the blocks quickly with a six-goal win uh, in the first quarter. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, comment on behalf of the minority. I, I think it's a great, great win for Vermont because everyone loves to see Vermont getting beat. But but no, to, but to, uh, to turn that around, I think that, you know, that loss last week at home against Berwick, a game that most people would have thought they were going to win, I reckon that's really stung them. And it stung them into action. And to me, it could be the kickstart to the revival and the season that, you know, that Vermont would be looking at. On the other hand, Norwood. You know, as you mentioned, you know, huge win last week against Doncaster. And to come out and to be smacked like they did, that's a huge turnaround. So, yeah, question marks now are not so much over Vermont, but over Norwood, in my opinion. And and just to take uh, take words out of, your, out of your mouth, Brash, they eviscerated the competition there. <laughs> and what a win! Like you know, just just to sort of see that and that turnaround, um, yeah, from Norwood, it's just yeah, it makes you question. It sort of goes back to last year where you sort of go those games that they they should have won, but maybe they were undermanned. And it's like, well, what are they, where are they where and do they go? And their reserves too, Scotty got pumped as well. So it's a it was a it was a tough day at the office for the club at home as well. And a, and a strong, strong statement by Vermont to come out at nine goals by half-time to two. That just puts them in great... Yeah. It just puts them in the best position going into the, the second half. I think the other thing is to... Let, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at form lines through this, and this is where it's... And, and this is probably where I think we, we've sort of... Um, it's it's hard, a bit hard to, to put this... You've got, Nor, uh, you've got Nord beating... Doncaster, yeah, last week by 50, 60 points. 
Yesterday they come out against Vermont and they get beaten convincingly. We haven't spoken about Doncaster yet, but they truly did get eviscerated last <laughs> week by, or yesterday by Doncaster East. So is the story Norwood or is the story Doncaster? Uh, I think it's probably Doncaster saying that last yeah. week uh, after yeah. what Norwood put out yesterday. But I, I think yesterday's story is about Vermont and what they put out on, on the park yesterday, which is a fantastic performance. I, Kelkovsky kicked three. Uh, Wilcox was best on. They, they started probably to look a, a bit more like the, the old Vermont. One of, one of the things that I've always used as a measure of depth is you've got to look at the reserve development squads, right, as a means of how, how good your depth is. And the fact that Vermont uh, seconds had a big win yesterday against Norwood seconds uh, suggests to me that if Norwood get a, a spate of injuries, they're going to struggle, you know, with quality players coming into that lineup and to fill voids. And that's what happened last year as well. They struggled to sort of get yeah. teams on, the, you know, a good yeah. team on the park at, at times, and you know, to lose that at at home to to Vermont. I think it both for the Vermont faithful. I think it's probably more a, a sense of relief. Yeah. More than anything else. Yes. Um, because of the fact that when you, having been part of that club for so many years, you understand the fabric of, of that. And Vermont have always had a, a, a winning thing, a winning thing, and they, a winning club attitude. However, too, also too, when you have culture is also a big thing and when you've had a, a successful culture and then all of a sudden a whole new load of players come through your club sometimes even though you try and maintain the same sort of standards sometimes just within there are groups within groups at all clubs where the culture just sort of changes just that little bit and maybe you don't get that same how do I what's that word buying mm, yeah, um, yeah so look I think all clubs go through that and I, but I think the the successful clubs have always been able to to trade on their on on their success, yeah, yeah. and that's what brings the yeah. good players and the culture yeah. to the club. Brash, what you got to remember is that you know as you talk about the culture and 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 of course the results that Vermont Football Club have had in the past. But if you're a new player coming into that club, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on you to be successful Almost. because you're going into the best club that's been in the competition for a very very long time. But just getting back to what I said, you know, and it's great for the Vermont people that they've won a, a game like that. But I will say, one swallow does not make a summer. Oh. They, they go out to East Ringwood, and I think that's a perfect challenge for them. East Ringwood, who have come up from second big division, game. It's, it's a really, because the week really after they game. got Baldwin, so that you know they've got to have another very good win over East Ringwood before I'm sold on them. Well, put it this way: like I said, uh, it's not this season is not going to. It's a, a season for a lot of. There's going to be a. There's a lot of. Not only Vermont, but there are quite. It's about three or four, three or four clubs who are going to be asked a lot of questions about. And I reckon there, we're talking about double relegation. Well, I still think personally there are four sides that are, are still right in the mix for 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 double as relegation. Uh, it's it's. It, I think we'll know certainly in about round five or six who's the yeah. who's really going to be under the pump. Yeah. But um, and one side I think unfortunately will probably uh. 
be it will be very difficult for him to escape the double relegation is Doncaster. Um, we won't touch on this too much, but they lost to Doncaster East six six forty two to the Lions twenty seven sixteen one hundred seventeen one hundred seventy eight apologies uh, a big thumping there fifty eight to nothing in the first quarter of the Lions. Tom Bell comes in and kicks six. Uh, they had about thirteen goal scorers. Um, that's the sort of performance we uh, were hoping not to not to get from Doncaster, but. It's also they're they're playing against a side who's going to be a, a real chance all, for a flag. All yeah. I can say about Doncaster, gentlemen, their last quarter differential is minus two hundred and six. So Gosh. they've only scored ninety points as uh, for for the four this year, as against two hundred and ninety six against in their three in their two games. That's that's pretty. That's mm. that's gonna it's gonna make it really hard for them. Mm. Yeah, it will, uh, especially when they. Especially when they're relying on Kyle Vickers, who kicked four again yesterday in a lose in out yep. of six. Kicked right. six last week, right. I think. In the so loss. he's their leading goal scorer. He's, but he's one of their smallest players. <laughs> and so, it, yeah, when you, and you, your side's only kicking six goals for a game, that's yeah. some issues if he's but kicking also pretty much too, all of them. We, it would be remiss of us not to remen- uh, mention Chris Anarchus' yes, yes. 250 yes. games yesterday. Yes. Yep. League best and fairest. Um, in multiple divisions, a fantastic servant for the Doncaster Football Club, a legend of the actual EFNL competition. Yeah. So congratulations to you, Chris, uh, on 250 great games. I know probably things aren't going as well as you'd hope, but uh, keep, your, keep your head up high and keep leading that club. And he was fir- probably one of the first picked every year in the inter- interleague sides oh, as yeah. well when that was yeah. up and going. And he, and he yeah. was one of the be- – I think in the times that we covered it, he was always in yeah. the best six. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was good to see some photos there with his his family uh, yeah. before and after the game. So uh, we do congratulate him on, on what's been a, a really incredible career so far. Um, jumping into Dominey Reserve yesterday, Park Orchards 8-7-55, lost to East Ringwood 14-15-99. The Roos on the board now, Monday Farmer McRae kick three, um, while for the Park Orchards, Blakey, Prozanak kick two each. Uh, a pretty close game for the first uh, first quarter and a bit, and then it was it was all East Ringwood after that. So uh, they get their season off to a, a good start. Both, I'm going to ask both Ray and you, Scott, your opinions about Park Orchards. My worry about them at the start of the season is I actually thought they've plateaued a little bit, and I'm I'm just thinking now that they may have they may be a little bit short on quality that's going to win them enough games to keep them in Premier. What do you think? Yeah, look, I have worries about them too, Brash. And you've got to look at last season. They started off really well, but they after that, they, they fell away really badly. Look, to me, you know, they, they come into the competition as a junior club. They were a junior club for years and years, and then they, they got together and they, they formed a senior club. And I think that I don't know what their list is. I haven't really looked at their list. They've recruited a couple of players in, but I think that what they're doing, they're doing very similar to what Roval have done. I think they're playing a lot of these kids who have come up through the 19s. Okay, they've had a, a few seasons in the, in the senior side. Now they're up in Premier Division. The question mark is, are those kids going to be good enough? And that's where I'm going to ask you, Scott. Have they... Do they still... For them to maintain their Premier Division status, do they sort of, for want of a better word, do they need to bust the bank a little bit and go out and and try and target some key players 
if they manage to hold on this year? Very much, very much so, because yeah. they're recruiting in this off season wasn't wasn't strong no. in comparison to others, and I think they're struggling. They well, they struggled, I think, last year to, to find goal, a goal kicker. Like it was always sort of shared shared around, and and I feel like this year, where where are they sort of finding that those scoring options? I, I could be wrong, but I think Everett would have been their but their main goal kicker last season, if not the but, main one. He was up there, but ninety percent of the game he played on the wing. Yeah, and then they switched him, and then he's yeah. down back, and they just just Pro, didn't. Prosnack always hits the scoreboard. Yeah, and too, field, I know. They're but probably missing another guy too that we probably sort of underestimated, but he was always he was good for kicking three or four goals a game. Was Michael Philp? Yes, yes. Right, um, yeah. And uh, the the guy, the big guy that they had at centre half forward that went from he went up and played at Powtail and came, and mm. I can't remember his name. Big tall guy with the okay. blonde spiky hair. The other thing is Ryan, do do you think? That um, when Dennis Arnfield was appointed coach of Park Orchards, do you reckon they got enough bang for their buck with regards to the recruitment of better quality players? Did we all think that maybe Arnfield was going to bring a bit more, a, a few more players with a bit more experience? Well, I think you can look at it as what Simon White's done it perfectly, where, you know, as experience with Carlton, he's been able to bring players from the Blues and, and other AFLX players who. Mm. Um, to bring him into the side to, to really put him as a now contender in Premier Division. So, yeah, look, I I wondered if that was maybe going to be something similar that uh, Dennis would, would be able to do and bring even one or two extras can make mm. a big difference oh, and, most and take you from, um, you know, maybe a 10th or 11th side to a, a 7th or 8th, 6th, maybe, yeah, as a finals with the final six. In, in essence, when you come up, when, when you... When you as we all know, when you come up from Division One, your first and foremost plan is you. Your mindset is we want to win enough games to stay up in this first year, and then we can build from that. Unfortunately, the days of um, the days of winning four games in in Premier Division or right is no longer applicable. Right to to guarantee that you're going to stay up, you got to win six games. Mm. And yep. the thing is, where do you find where do you find six games when you when you're really struggling, you, when you're really struggling to to field your best side eight week in week Brash, out? The demographics of coming up from Division One to a Premier League now have changed because so much. because of the draw. When you're going back, when when Montrose, when Wonturna South come up and went straight back down, and you had, Roval's one of the sides that stayed there. But that first year when you come up to Premier Division or it was Division One, you had a very favourable draw. And that's sort of gone out of the window a bit. And you were because of that favourable draw, you were able to sustain and stay there that first year. But then what happened then sides fell away the second year. And I think also too the fact that in your in your premier division to f- for the fairness of the draw, you've got to have everyone playing each other you twice. Do. Well, that's what the aim is, right? Yeah. You've got it. And the thing is, look, I'm I'm not really interested in the in the semantics of um, of of when how the schedule goes because eventually they're still going to play each other twice. It doesn't matter whether it's round one or round eighteen or round nine or and round ten in consecutive weeks. It means nothing to me because at the end of the day, the only. You, you, both sides, it's an even draw, 
and you get an opportunity. If you lose to them first time round, you get a chance to reverse it. And I think that's the only way that you that you can gauge. And that's how your premier, all your premier divisions have got to be. But the thing is, with the quality in premier division now, and the and the pace of the game, and and the and the way that the modern game is played, for me, four wins, which was the pass mark many years ago, is not enough. Yeah. You need to win six games, and especially with the double double relegation yeah, this, yeah, this year. But yeah, yeah, obviously after after <laughs> this year for Premier One and Two, they'll all be. Ten sides in the division, yes, which so. certainly changes things still, a bit. But that's the thing, Ryan. What happens is when you start bringing in equal draws, where everyone gets yep. to play each other once, the boys and the and the the boys are an absolute pest for the game, and also an uneven an uneven draw because it just it 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 just doesn't. For some sides, it becomes an, a, a decided advantage and for others, a massive disadvantage. And then the last game we've got is Roval versus Baldwin out at Seabeck Oval. Uh, incredible finish. Uh, yesterday, um, uh, after our game, I read out the scores, which were in the early stages <laughs> of the last quarters. We we're talking about how good this Roval's, Roval's got up and they've, impro- <laughs> they've, uh, they've they pinched a win. But um, an incredible last term. Seven goals from, from Baldwin. In that last quarter, sees them winners 12 9, 81 to 11, 10, 76. Uh, Roval with with a, a handy five goal lead at three quarter time for the second week in the row, uh, second week in a row running array. Uh, you were there for that uh, second half. Well, I, um, I got there at three finish? quarter time actually. So you you say yeah, the so best and, quarter and, and for and last year. <laughs> look for the second week in a row to throw away a lead like that. There's obviously a problem there. I don't know what the problem is or how to fix it. But first of all, I'll say there were three debutants in Roval's side yesterday through a couple of late withdrawals and whatever. So and, and, and apparently they all did well. But when I got there, look, I was surprised when I looked at Baldwin. They're a tall forward line. Yep. They've got a lot of tools down there for the forward line. And they were kicking to the the top end, the uh, uh, to the not the Dandenong Road end in the last quarter. And... and uh, Look, they were just bombing the ball in from what I saw and uh, and they, the big tools were marking it. And, and and then you had Charlie Haley at their feet. You know, he, he snagged a couple of let's unbelievable it, goals on the run from the boundary. Well, let's call it the escape to the country end. Is that yeah. what you're saying, yeah, that, Ray? That's right, that's <laughs> right. But look, uh, look, there's obviously a problem there with Roval. Two weeks in a row, you can't throw away, you know, wins like that. And look, the only question, and I'm, I'm not a sore loser. Baldwin deserved to win that game. But look... I've been watching the federal, uh, the uh, EFNL for a long time. You have too, Brash. Now, every Saturday and any game you go to, you see deliberate out of bounds. Players get pinned for a... Well, they don't get pinned in the Eastern they Football League. They really. do. Obviously, once they do. But there was a one pay there yesterday within the, uh, two minutes to go where the Roval defender kicked it out. The, the ball went 45 metres down the boundary, bounce, 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 and eventually it bounced out. And the umpire come in. Not the officiating umpire. The other umpire come in and paid deliberate. Well, that's not deliberate. Now that put the ball back right in the goal square of ball or for Baldwin, and and it was half a metre out for a good minute. Ball up, ball up, ball up, and finally, uh, eventually, uh, a, a small kick off the ground. They got a goal back to the centre, and and the siren went. I'm not complaining about the loss, but what I'm complaining about is. You either pay it or you don't in the in the Eastern Football League, and to me, the majority of the times they don't pay it. But to pay it when there's two minutes to go in a game for the first time, I asked around for the first time it was paid in the whole match. 
To me, I think that's something they're well, going to look a, at. But if it's not an official rule, then the umpire shouldn't be paying it full stop. Well, is it an official rule or I not? Don't because know. I don't I didn't I've believe got my it was. In front of me. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't, look, look Bourne deserved the win. You know, they come from seven goals down. They, they deserve the win. I'm not taking that away, but it's just scratching your hair about, you know. Well, always, would you say, though, Ray, we know, Roval, it's, it's not due to lack of talent. So obviously it's a bit of a mental thing with them at the moment. They just switch off. Yeah, I think it is, Brash, because it's happened two weeks in a row, and even halfway through the last quarter, when when Baldwin pinned back, you know, three of the seven goals, everyone was saying, "Oh, it's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again." But and obviously it did. Do you think? Do you think, though, Scotty, that like we was like we've spoken about, that there is that some sides, right, when they get on a momentum. Um, that it's very hard for the, even though that side has maintained or been in front for most of the afternoon, as soon as they've got, get threatened, they sort of panic a bit and once they lose that ascendancy, they feel like they can't get it back again. Especially if you've, if you've had it the week before as well. Like it's fresh yeah. in your, yeah. it's yeah. fresh in your mind. And, and, you know, again, credit to ball. And we've seen, we saw them play the other week. They're a, they're a very good side. And, and, you know, to have that, that scoring option, like saying Ray, like, you know, tall forwards, they've got, but then they've got Charlie Haley. If, if they're not, if the tools aren't scoring, we'll chuck him in. Cause the yeah. other week when he was playing against Blackburn, he was running around all over the place. Yeah. So uh, they've just got so many good options. He's a very hard, look, Charlie Haley is a, is is a very hard matchup. Oh, extremely kicked, kicked hard. four again yesterday, and then Walker yeah. kicks four as well, which is the big target up there. That's yeah. so ten ten from two games. Lyre was looking threatening the first time we saw him. So mm. their options up forward when they get going and they can get the constant um, repeat entries, you, they look dangerous. Do you think with Walker being a big man, I reckon you sort of. I don't necessarily think you need a guy. Height on height, but I think you you might be if the fullback was a little bit daring, he might be able to run off him a little bit. Do you, I, could you see? I, do you, could you see that as a bit of a weakness? I think it's more you need footy smarts against him because if you watched him against Blackburn, he, he's his positioning like he's obviously yeah. he's obviously got it. You know, considering where he's come from, so yeah. his knowledge is just superior to probably others that are just yeah. are playing, and and he's been taught that that way. So I think it's more about just getting in the in the right positions for him and and trying to find that perfect matchup. Well, but it's going to be a hard what, matchup. What, in that, though, he would have kicked two, maybe three in that last quarter. But they were big pack marks. But they were coming from the side of the pack. He was not in the contest going forward for the ball. He came in from the side and actually marked, he outmarked actually, everybody. He actually reminds me a little bit of Tulevsky. Yes. yes. Tulevsky was that sort of player. Had a little... He was quick off that... He's got a, a five... A, a quick five little metre sprint or gap. And then... Being able to manipulate his yeah. opponent and use the body, yeah. I, I think uh, Walker's been a, a great find for uh, for Baldwin. Right, there's only one thing else I want to say. I'm not complaining about the loss to Roval. What I'm complaining about is the inconsistency with the uh, intentional out of bounce in the Eastern Football League. Either you pay it for everyone or you don't pay it at all. But you'd have to have a look at other at other games. It's obviously yeah. a small sort of sample size, and and obviously the umpires are just trying to you know call that call their best where they can. And and I don't know in the in the situation. It's obviously hard, and and obviously in that time, I, I presume it was it was fairly loud and going going well, off. I, down I, I will there. say one. I, I can tell you. I'll tell you one thing. Inevitably, 
that tackling rule will filter the the tackling rule with regards to concussion issues. That one will definitely throw flow down through these competitions, maybe um, from the AFL. Though. Yeah, I, I I can see that happening because yeah. I I've. We've all sat down and we've watched and seen a couple of tackles, right, especially in the last 12 to 18 months where players have come off pretty second best. I can see that filtering down and it will need to filter down because um, because um, players' health and, and obviously uh, the, the concussion issue is going to become prevalent. doesn't matter whether it's at the top end of skull or the bottom Brash, end. It's going to be very hard to police at the bottom end because... AFL, you've got to have a doctor on the boundary line. We, uh, local clubs can't have a doctor on the boundary line, so how are you going to police it? The only way that... The, or not? I know. Uh, I, I guess, once again, that comes down to the umpire's interpretation. That's where it's going to mm. come down to. And the thing is, um, like I said, it's going to have to be pretty blatantly obvious, obvious that, you know, that if a... You know, and you're right, we don't have a full-time doctor. You've only got a full-time trainer. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and they're not qualified to make no, the call. No. And just just quickly, one one person I, th- I forgot to mention before, Lockie Wine comes back inside, kicks five goals yes. for the Hawks, which is a, a big positive for them up forward. Um, but Scott, just quickly, looking at their first three quarters, they've six out of their eight quarters have been um, really, really good in the first two weeks. It's just those... Those two last quarters where they've um, given up 15 goals in. But other than that, you can see where they were last year and see what they're building. And that if they can just, just play for an extra half an hour, that, they'll be a very hard side to beat. Yeah, yeah, and Ryan, you look back to last year, that was a quarter they were winning yeah. games in. You know, is, so it's yeah. a, com- a complete reversal. But yeah. look, they've got, they got Park Orchards this week out of Park Orchards, so it's a game they must win now because you can't afford to be 0-3. And, 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 and there's time, like we said, oh, 18, yeah, 18 rounds, right. and there's still right. a superior side that's when you right. when you look at other, other teams and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, a disappointing as a, a for Roval supporters and the group. Mm. Absolutely. And our last two games in Premier Division happened today uh, and Tuesday. So Berwick take on Noble Park uh, at Edwin Flack Reserve. That's at 2.20pm. So by the time this comes out, it's probably happening right dusted. now, all finished. And then South Court and Blackburn at Cheon Park, which will be at on the Tuesday. So we'll certainly have a, a, a big chance there to discuss that one. Any last thoughts on the Berwick Noble Park game today? I would love to see Berwick win at Berwick, but I doubt it. They will. I think it'll be a good game. They'll be in the game for three quarters, but Noble Park for mine. Well, I'll put it this way: I walked away from that ground game last week thinking if. Jay Sketcher didn't get the three votes off the umpires. 49 disposals. <laughs> I would have been disappointed. Look, a great win for Berwick last week. That's exactly what you want coming up against the Noble Park side. But jeepers. Gee, they're, they're a formidable outfit, Noble Park. And uh, look, they were one of the very few sides that um, took Berwick to the sword, even down at Edward and Flack last year. I think Noble Park, like Ray's alluded to, I think they'll be competitive. They'll they'll win, but I think Berwick will be cheeky for at least three quarters. Yeah, uh, at Noble Park. Noble Park. Easily. Thirty points. Thirty points. Yeah, It'll be interesting result to find out uh, this afternoon, boys. Thank you for joining us. It's been a, another big episode and uh, a lot of a lot of crazy games uh, this weekend. So uh, I'm glad <laughs> you were all here to to um, discuss that. And uh, till next time, we'll be uh, obviously doing the women's game beforehand um, on Tuesday as well. South Croydon versus South uh, South Belgrave. Listerfield Wolves um, for the Deakin University match around. And then the big senior men's clash, uh, South Croydon versus Blackburn. So until then, we'll see you at the footy.
uh, O'Regan probably just outside his distance, oh. although he's made a fool of me there. Beautiful kick. What a season he's had, Mark O'Regan. He puts through. Came bursting through. Burns off one. Kicks around the corner. He's oh. the goal. Tobin Brothers goal of the day contend.